0: Because my, my my so if I had a goal for this message, it would be that you realize that there is a practical way to renew your mind to think spiritually, and that mindset is the framework within you make decisions. Like so, there's a way, and I'm going to walk through it. We're going to go through a little bit of detail here. Super practical. But there's a practical way that you can get your mind set on spirit, spiritual realities, the things of the spirit, and that be the environment that you create in your inner man and your awareness and your hope and your expectation and your mindset that brings about a peace that you then go into life with, right? It's not, God, would you please come down and do this? God, you see this need and you... Got to fill up the bowls of heaven until he tips over and answers come pouring out, you know. The way that we connect with God now is he lives in you. Mm -hmm. Say, the spirit of the living God dwells dwells within me. me. One more time. The spirit Spirit of the living God God dwells within within me. me. I want to live from that reality. But but I don't want it to be flaky. I don't want to be chasing phenomenon, you know what I mean? I don't want to be chasing mystical experience. Praise God for visions and dreams. I mean, let's have more of that, right? But that should confirm what you already know of who you are in Christ. Any prophecy, any word that you get, any experience of the moving of the Spirit in your life from someone else uh, should confirm who you already are in Christ. And hopefully what you've already determined in your own heart is is your truth based on the word of God, right? So in other words, prophecy, if I come to you and I give you a word, it should confirm something that you're kind of already rolling around in your heart. And specifically, it should testify of Jesus. So again, today, and I'm gonna use Gideon as, a little, as an example, and I might have to apologize to him when we get to heaven, because it might not be the most rosy picture of Gideon, although what he did was amazing, his process was a bit like Moses. He's questioning God. He's like, okay, now are you sure? And I realize an angel has appeared to me and said this. However, God, I need a little bit more proof. <laughs> you, you watch. We're going to read it. And, 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 I, and, you know, I don't want to live that way. I'm not saying I'm better than Gideon, but we are different in that we have the Spirit of God inside of us. Gideon did not. The difference between you and those Old Testament patriarchs upon which the Spirit rested on is that the Spirit is in you. You have something they didn't have. You have the anointing living in you, not just resting on you. And when we understand the power of that, the reality of that, the reality of what kind of beings we are, it is possible for you to live in this new way of Spirit that Paul talks about over and over and Jesus talks about All the New Testament authors talk about living under the Spirit, living in this new way of Spirit. It can be a practical process for you to be so confident in who you are in Christ and who God is in you that you get a hold of your mind, you discipline yourself to get in that mindset before you start to live your life. I just see way too many Christians that are making decisions based on external circumstances. Way too many Christians that are unsure of what Jesus paid for for them to have and are not rooted and are not mature and, and, and don't know how to rest in the peace that comes from the Spirit of God being inside of you. I, I, I want to grow up. You know? I want to properly steward that Spirit. I don't want to ever find myself in a situation where I can't go to God and connect and commune with that inner power inside of me, and it creates such a sense of peace that even if I'm still confused intellectually about whatever the circumstance is, I'm at peace inwardly, which is the filter I need in my mind to then be able to make good and healthy decisions. Are you with me? Yes. So you can create the proper inner environment, that is conducive to making a godly, wise decision, even if you, whether you hear directly from God or not, right? So in other words, you create this environment inwardly because the Spirit of God is inside of you, in your heart, and in your mind, and your soul. That, that, that there, It's just the temperature. It's the environment of your inner man that you then go into the world, and as you're encountering things, it comes into you, and it's filtered through all that peace. It's filtered through all that awareness of who you are in Christ. And, 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 and that peace inside of you, that awareness, that confidence of Christ in you, it, just feel, it makes clear those external confusing situations. Because a lot of people use logic and think, rational thinking to make decisions. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it can be carnal. You know, we're, we're, all, all of this is kind of rooted in this idea, this one passage, Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You know, so, so whether it's what you should eat for lunch today, whether it's should you take that job, whether it's how do I handle this situation with my spouse, Whether it's I'm in a hostile country, a country that's hostile toward Christianity, I am in prison, and tomorrow is my day of execution. Regardless of the situation, there is a way to live in such a sense of peace that you are confident in Christ in you, and that is the filter through which you deal with life. And it starts there. It doesn't start with, well, if this works out for me, then I'll have peace. That's like the least spiritual way to make decisions is that an external situation creates the sense of peace and confidence for you. Now, you might be at peace and there's still confusion externally. I'm not saying you're magically going to know what to do in every single situation. I'm not saying that, okay? But... You can have such a sense of peace that it it becomes easy to make decisions. I I want decision-making to be very easy for you because of the confidence you have in Christ in you. And that peace that you have, it just filters out. You just, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't fit. Nope, nope. Are you with me? Is this making sense? So so that's kind of all in a nutshell what what we're going to, The conclusion that I want to get to today is encourage you, get that inner man in peace and confident in Christ, then deal with that external thing. And as we see with what Gideon did, he did this thing called putting out a... You ever heard putting out a fleece? You know, some of you are familiar with the story. Maybe some of you have just heard the phrase, I'm going to put out a fleece for God. So we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit. Sound good? And really, going back to the last few weeks, you know, we we circled around this idea of becoming aware of the Spirit of God within you. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Don't you know that? Don't you know that? I mean, I'm telling you, if we could just live with that awareness... To the degree that it's a reality to us that we, it produces a confidence, that would filter out a lot of the stuff that we got to deal with about life. It just would. So don't you know that the Spirit of the living God dwells within you? All right. Here we go. Romans 8:6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Got a couple of statements here. What you set your mind on is a matter of life and death. Or you could say it this way. The way you think is a matter of life and death. The way you think is a matter of life and death. It starts there. It starts there. I want to crush forever your way of thinking that determines God's will for you based on external circumstances. You want to know what God's will for you is. you look at the cross, if it's join yourself to, uh, what college to go to. Uh, I mean, like these real-world decisions that we do need to make, that kind of stuff isn't necessarily paid for on the cross as much as it is. You ha- it, it afforded you the opportunity to be indwelt by the Spirit that you become aware of that reality, and that becomes the filter through which you make these decisions. Let's keep going. Say, keep going. Keep going. All right. Because we're in this process here. Beliefs affect the, the belief is the deepest part of when you're dealing with life, you've got to figure out how to pray, you got this decision to make, you got this circumstance you got to deal with, you have a belief inwardly. Your beliefs can either be written on your heart by stuff that's happened to you in this world, or it can be the beliefs of your heart can be affected by the Spirit of God inside of you, right? So in other words, you have your body telling you, we have this disorder, and you're just going to have to suffer with cold fingers, and I don't mean to minimize it just to that, but forever, or the Spirit inwardly says, you have been healed by the power of the blood of Christ, and that is a reality for you now. I mean, that's, that's a clear, you know, process. So you got a decision. What am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the circumstance? Am I going to believe? Am I going to believe? Uh, okay, okay, so let's say you're in a situation, and it would be very logical for you to, to gather data from the world. From your job, from your relational, emotional capacity, this person's past, uh, the, job, the job market right now, the economy right now, the housing market right now, the car, whatever it is, whatever the situation is that you're dealing with, you, you can look at the world and think according to... Okay, well, there's all these issues to deal with, and I get to, to, and this makes sense, and if this happens, and then, and I'm not saying don't do that. Do, do that. Don't do, do that, but do, do that. You know, but we are scientists oftentimes before we are spiritual beings, unfortunately. In other words, we gather data, we come to conclusions, we rationalize in our thinking, and then. If that makes sense to us, it produces peace for us. I want the two to join. I'm not saying don't use your brain. Use your brain. You know what I mean? My grandfather used to say that. Uh, you know, God gave you a brain. You ought to use it. Um, are you, you're with me? All right, let's keep going. I think I made the point there. So your beliefs are going to be affected by the Spirit of God inside of you, and you cultivate that environment of belief. In other words, you've got to go to the Word, put the Word in there so that your beliefs are shaped by what the Word says. Even if it's just a matter of wisdom, you still cultivate the environment of spiritual realities inwardly, what is true spiritually, before you then engage externally and engage the carnal or physical mind. Because if you only think in the carnal mind, it could lead to death, all right? So, You're affecting your beliefs, which affects your thought or emotions, and sometimes those are in reverse order, the middle two. Sometimes the emotion comes and then the thought, then the logical process of choices or action. But this is pretty much the process that you're in. You want to affect your beliefs first. Uh, You want to nurture faith by thinking spiritually. Nurture faith. We nurture doubt all the time. We nurture worldly logic all the time. We nurture common sense all the time. That's fine. However, are we nurturing faith first? Either in regard to a promise or even just in regard to a situation where we need wisdom. Before you make choices, set your mind on spiritual realities. You got an important decision to make in your life. Create that inner environment of what is true spiritually And if there's a specific spiritual reality that addresses this particular issue, you hold that in your heart and mind too. But if it's not, if it's kind of more nebulous and it's not directly addressed on the cross or just in Scripture in general, then it's a matter of wisdom. Then it's a matter of following God into Him leading you into the best option, right? Either one, whether it's specific or general, You still do the same thing. You create this inner environment of being aware of spiritual reality. So last week we walked through Romans, the beginning of Romans 7 and all of Romans 8 together, and we isolated lots and lots of spiritual realities. So when you think about this idea for to set the mind on the spirit on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is peace, that's something that you actually can do. That's not just the scripture addressing, well, this is what's going to happen, you can engage this process intentionally and choose to set your mind on spirit. Not just this mystical idea that God is in there, but what is true because He's in there. That's a question to always ask yourself. I, find, I have found myself in this situation. What is true of spirit in this situation? You go to the Word of God you get God's mind on it, then you proceed. Are you with me? Um, Lyle sent me a video in the youth group back there that uh, you had them go to that, one of my favorite tools lately, openbible.info and the, 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 the student ministry. That's what they did this past Wednesday. They, they identified an area of life, went to that openbible.info, searched that topic, and, and then... Maybe give me a minute on that. Say what you did. And they, they, they wrote down the references of the verses, and they took the sheets of paper home, so that throughout their week and the weekend, if they needed reference to a
1: verse that was going to encourage them, they had that written
0: down. Yeah. So go back and look over it. I mean, what a novel concept. Go to the Word of God. <laughs> Find out what God thinks about that particular issue or at least get a general mindset inwardly, then live your life, right? All right, so before you make choices, set your mind on spiritual realities. Now these, I made a couple of lists. They might be a little bit small for the back, but the, there's two lists here, and these are things that I just went back through Romans 8 again and, then, and just identified these things. So you're getting ready to make a decision, you know? Whether, however small or however life-threatening it might be, do this. You become aware of spiritual reality inwardly because uh, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's the filter through which you live your life through. Are you with me? All right, so these are just things, and, and, and you can take these, and before you make a decision, you just set your mind on this stuff. You, you, this, is, this is how you make sure, this is the temperature of your inner man that you then go into life with. Am I making sense? And I know I've repeated it, but I'm just really wanting to make it super clear because if you can discipline yourself to do this and live your life this way, man, I'm telling you what, it'll save you from death. And now I mean, you know, maybe even literal bodily death or financial loss, the loss of a marriage, whatever, right? So these are just straight out of Romans 8. I live by the Spirit. And, you know, I mean, this is even just a confession. I started thinking about this as I was preparing. These are just straight out of Romans 8. If you go back and read through the chapters we read and then all of Romans 8. So a couple of these are Romans 7. But I live by the Spirit. I am free from condemnation. The Spirit gives me life. I am righteous in Christ. Christ is in me. And, and, I, and you don't just read these, right? Like this is something that I wish the body of Christ could learn to do is meditate on spiritual reality to the point where you actually believe and feel righteous, meaning accepted by God because he's given you that state in his kingdom, right? That you feel that you, that you have a sense of expectation and hope that in this situation, God's given me life. I look at the world. Yes, I see the condition of my life. I see what's going on. I see the choices of so-and-so around me. I can't do nothing about that. But me, he's giving me life. And it affects your expectations and your, your perspective, right? I mean, we should be able to think about a spiritual reality to the point that it strengthens us, that it changes how we're thinking about whatever we're thinking about. Christ is in me. God's spirit, uh, God's spirit dwells in me. The spirit bears witness that I am his child. I, I love that one. You know, the spirit of God is inside of you, telling you, no, you're my child. You need this one when you're tempted. How many of you still enjoy sin every now and then? Thank you for one honest person. Everybody should have raised their hand. You you know why you still sin, don't you? Because you like it. You don't do stuff that you don't like. You might hate the effects of it. You might hate that you're addicted to it. But you do it because you're getting something out of it. It pleases the flesh. You don't have to struggle with it. You can be free from it. That is what grace is. The power to break Carnal desire and shape your being, your existence on this planet by spiritually by grace. Grace will change your desires. Grace will lead you. Grace grace is like a power working in you that changes your desires, changes how you think to the degree that you desire holiness in every situation. You desire To to live righteously in every situation. Are you with me? I know you're looking at the clock and you're like, wait a minute, you said you were gonna read a whole bunch of stuff, so let's keep going. Here's the next one God's Spirit helps me with weakness. God's Spirit prays for me. God's Spirit prays for me through me. Uh, God is for me. Jesus is praying for me. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. Nothing can separate me from God's love for me. Again, these are all just straight out of Romans. And then, you know, you have this mixed in there, Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, obviously this is talking about overt sinful behaviors, but I think it's also addressing plain old carnal logic that doesn't engage spirit. It's just rational thinking in terms of the world systems and doesn't engage spirit. Are, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, oftentimes we're, we're, we think we're praying, but we're actually worrying. We're thinking about all the scenarios. We're thinking about all the scenarios of potentials and possibilities, and what could happen if I do this then this, and if I do that, and if they would do that, then this, and if I get this and then that, and it drives you nuts. I mean, does it not? Thinking carnally will kill you. Thinking carnally is not necessarily your thinking evil thoughts or your thinking sinful thoughts. Carnal thinking, it just means meat-headedness, physical mindedness. A plus B equals C. You know, we're kind of talking about the difference between Newtonian physics and quantum physics. In other words... You know, Newtonian physics is you push and it's going to go as much as you push. Quantum physics says you look at it and make an observation and it changes and it shouldn't behave that way. I would really love to go deeper into that at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like, you know, the, with quantum physics, there's, it seems that there's a different set of physics that the material world operates by that's different than the material world operates by. (laughs) There seems to be two sets of physics. It's the same way with thinking and living life, carnal-mindedness and spiritual-mindedness. All right, so, but if by the Spirit... I I want you to put to death your carnal thinking. I want you to put to death your worry-based thinking, your rational, logical thinking that only factors in spirit as part of the equation rather than creates the context of spirit before you ever even engage in the thinking aspect of it. It'll lead to death if you're engaged in the way the world thinks primarily. All right, so... Y'all want to look at uh, Gideon? And I I do this um, because a lot of the world lives this way. You know, we, we look at Gideon and we think, man, bless God, this is awesome. I think his doubt is revealed in what we see. I think he's making decisions based on external circumstances and God doing something out here. So let's just walk through it just as an example. And if you want to follow me, you can go ahead and start on uh, 11. So what, what I'm actually going to read here for your notes is Judges 6... 11 through 18. Actually, we'll just leave it here for just a minute. I'll just set it up for just a minute. Um, Gideon is a descendant. Uh, he's, an, he's an Israelite. He's of, I think he's of the tribe of Judah. Is it Judah? But so you've got Moses, right, who leads the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses, because he misrepresented God uh, in the desert, couldn't enter into the promised land. So Joshua and Caleb took over, primarily Joshua took over in Moses' spot, the Israelites go across the Jordan and enter into Canaan, the promised land. But there's giants over there. There's the enemy still over there. So the Israelites, after having been delivered from Egypt, gone through the desert, God split two rivers to deliver them into the land that he promised them, there are enemies in there, in that land, that then they have to fight and and eradicate, right? And so... Uh, you, you see through Judges and you see through a lot of those stories at that time, God using different people to fight different kinds of battles. Uh, the Midianites, and there's another, I think it's the, I forget the other group that was coming in. And it says that the Midianites, who, more, who probably were Nephilim, giant beings, because that was who was in that land. That was the half-breed, fallen angel offspring, enemy of God that was in the earth in those days. Uh, those were probably the beings that that Gideon, that, that the Midianites were that God came to Gideon to ask him to go eradicate these people from the land so that they could inhabit the land that God promised them, right? So it's a, it's a very real situation that God has promised something to them. And just watch the thinking. Watch the thinking. All right, so I'm going to start in this one. If you'll just follow me along back there. So this is Judges 6.11. Now the angel of the Lord and came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. The angel of the Lord came and sat. Are you with me? Now, you have something better than that. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. How many of you would love for an angel to show up and tell you what to do? you have something better than that. Which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite while his son Gideon uh, was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. See, they're, they're hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, Go back, verse 12. Uh, The Lord is with you. Next verse, Gideon says, well, if the Lord is with us, use this as a mirror, okay? I'm not trying to dishonor Gideon, but it's an example for us. Why then has all this happened to us? You ever asked that? Why, if the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you. And I, I'm, I'm reading into this some sarcasm from Gideon. But that's how I read it. Right? <laughs> well, if the Lord's with me, then why has all this happened? I'm over here hiding from these Midianites. You promised us, God, that we would come into this land. I'm over here hiding from these these corrupt Gentile Nephilim creatures that are eating our babies, probably. If you're with us, then why is all this happening, God? Come on. It's all the way back to the garden. Did God really say? Right? Questioning God. All right, so... Why then has all this happened to him? You ever ask God that? Well, God, if you're supposed to be with me, then why is this happening? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Stay there for for just a minute. Have you ever read it from that tone? I mean, it may have been a while since you've read this particular passage, But this is what he's saying. He's accusing God. Is he not? Now, if you don't read it that way, that's fine. You know, you read it how the Lord would lead you to read this. But to me, he's saying, I mean, he brought us out of Egypt. But is he not forsaken us in this land? Now, watch. Let's keep going. Say, "Keep keep going. All right. And the Lord turned to him and said, go. Now, it went from the angel of the Lord to the Lord. God's kind of taking this personally here. Go in this might of yours. All right, big boy. You're accusing God. Take that power. Take that fire. I appreciate the fire, Gideon. Take that fire. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Leave it there. Do not I send you. Midian's go, or, or Gideon's saying, God, don't you see these circumstances that I'm in? Why have you forsaken us? We've got these enemies. I've got this problem in my life. It's causing me to hide. I'm hiding doing my job over here for fear of this enemy in my, in my land that you said is ours. It looks like to me you've forsaken us. Why have you forsaken us? Why are we in this position? I'm going to use you. Yeah. You are the answer. Yes. Yes. Next time you want to complain to God, I mean, I'm going kind of slow because I'm letting the Holy Spirit intervene in the meantime. Next one, please. Verse uh, 15. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, Oh, Manasseh, that's right. And, and I am the least in my father. So he's disqualifying. He's like, so he's, he goes from accusing God to God saying, well, I'm going to use you. And he's like, whoa, 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 no, I can't do that. You know, we read the Bible with these rose-colored glasses on as if these are patriarchs that are living lives that don't have much to do with us, but you are in these exact same type of situations. I promise you, you have gone through this same mindset. And God's looking at you going, I will deliver you through using you in this situation. All right, next one. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. So he reassures him, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Uh, and he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign The angel of the Lord is in front of him, (laughs) speaking to him. Show me a sign. Gideon, I love you, man. And I'll apologize to you if I need to. And I don't think that I'm treating the context inappropriately. I just see what he's doing here. The angel of the Lord is in front of him, speaking to him. Show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Uh, please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you or sacrifice. And he said, I will stay till you return. So he acquiesces to his request. And it goes, the, 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 so I'm skipping from 18 to 34. I would recommend go read. Actually, read all of Judges. It's a pretty short read, but at least read Judges chapter Um, 5, 6, and 7 and you kind of get more of the picture of Gideon and how he was then used but just to stick on the idea of the angel of the Lord appearing to Gideon him questioning that angel him needing a sign God acquiescing to his mindset where he is and continuing to walk through this process so the angel of the Lord speaks with him he accuses him he says I'm going to use you you're the way out He says, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to make a sacrifice. He all of a sudden got religious. He's like, I need to make a sacrifice here. Hang on, let me go get a sacrifice. I'm going to bring it back. And, And in those sections there, the angels told him exactly how to execute the sacrifice and what to do with it. So then we get to this point here. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. So he starts to move, and he starts to take action. Next verse. And he sent messengers uh, throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Now, also in, in, in this process, before he gets here, he went and he tore down the temple to Baal. In other words, the, the God that the Midianites were worshiping. I mean, there's, there, were, there was action that he took here, you know. So there's process in action here. Then Gideon said to God, "'If you will save Israel,' By my hand, as you said, go back for just a second. Let, let that hit home for a minute. Think about that. Well, God, if you'll save Israel by my hand, like you said, God, you said, have you ever prayed this way? You ever been mad at have you ever been mad at God? Did something like this come out of your mouth? Or at least your thoughts? let's keep going. Behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool. So, you know, imagine, you know what a fleece is, like a a blanket, right? A wool blanket. A fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone uh, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. Another sign he's asking for. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just one more time. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and all the ground there be dew. So it's like, okay, God, appreciate that. Now would you do it again but do the opposite? And it's, you know, we laugh at this. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to be dishonoring. I just want to make the point. Next verse. Oh, oh, and God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. So he met him where he was. You know, he met him where he was. It was merciful. Next verse. <clears throat> uh, is that, that's it? Yep. Yeah. So, and then he goes on, and we know what happened. Um, So, do you see yourself in that? Do do you realize that that's how you make decisions sometimes? There's a better way. A couple more, one more passage and a couple of statements. Do not be anxious about anything. This is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Make your decisions out of an environment of peace. How do you reach that environment of peace? You fill your mind and your heart with spiritual realities. If there's a specific promise that addresses the situation that you're in, Sit on it, chew on it, think about it, meditate on it until that is more real to you than the potential failure. Or if it's a general situation, you just become aware of who you are. Like that there's there's a confidence in your reality and your identity before the Lord that that's the filter through which you proceed forth into life. Are you with me? The peace that comes from knowing God, uh, uh, the peace that comes from knowing who you are in Christ will guard your heart. And the heart's where you believe from. It's where you make those decisions out of. Fill your mind with spiritual truth before you make decisions. To just say it the most simple way, to boil it down to the most basic statement, fill your mind with spiritual truth before you make choices. Or you can continue to put out fleeces. We don't need no thinking fleeces. What is that even from? It's probably an inappropriate quote. I don't even know. Some movie I know. Are you with me? I mean, it's pretty basic, right? It's pretty simple. But it's, it's, it's the fundamentals that we don't make sure that we have in place to actually build a life on. Right? I mean, it's like it's too simple that we just don't do it. We get mystical about it. You know, it's like... We want to read the tea leaves. We want to cast lots and stones and tarot cards. You know, it's like tarot card Christianity in terms of, well, let me look at this, and if it all lines up, then that will tell me then this is the way to go. I mean, what if if God is wanting to lead you through a very adverse situation, and the only confidence that you have is the hope that you have because of who you are in Christ? Yeah, I, think we, I think we draw back from a lot of situations that we could proceed victoriously through because we've rationalized that it doesn't make sense logically. And we have gotten ourselves in trouble because sometimes things make logical sense. I've seen people engage in carnal thinking, make a decision because everything seemed to kind of line up, but yet they weren't really quite... St- assured inwardly, it goes wrong, and then they say, well, God, I thought this was you. I thought you led me to do this. I mean, I want to get real about how we live our lives and how we make our decisions and how we expect to be led by God and the examples that we are to other people to be confident first in who Christ is in us, who we are in Him, holding, nurturing faith, living by faith. Not faith in terms of I don't get to understand because that peace will rise up into your thinking and make sense eventually, but not the other way around. Just ending on this idea to be for to set the mind on flesh is death or to set the mind on spirit is life and peace. You have situations in your life where you need some life and peace. Commit to yourself, discipline yourself to fill your mind with spiritual realities and then proceed. Are you with me? But then, then things happen in your life where your friends and your family members are like, man, you, you're just lucky. I've had people tell me, you're just lucky. It ain't luck. I, I, I can't explain to you how peace helps me make decisions, and, and I, I can't say to you that in that environment of peace, I hear a specific directive from God But what I do know is that if that inner man is the temperature in there is what is true spiritually, that's going to be the filter through which I then discern my way through wisdom into following God to make that godly decision. I would rather have a clear directive, but if I don't have that, I'm not going to engage logically. I'm going to engage spiritually first and then proceed. And it will lead to life and peace. You know, from that perspective, it then, then all things work together for good, you know. You can't just lift it up and say, well, this went wrong. God, you said this, so I'm just going to trust now that you're going to work it out. Well, that's not how it works. There's incredible loss often to the body of Christ because of thinking and making decisions and living this way. Amen. I, I, I almost want to like have a discussion, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I know you already lost some sleep and you're probably hungry. <laughs> but I but I you know I almost kind of do feel like that there there are you know and at risk of extend Mike you got something on your heart I mean you got something rolling around. I, I just feel like there's a couple of us that might are, y- are y'all okay with this? You just want to take a couple of more minutes and let's kind of let this sink in for just a moment. I just don't want you to leave out of here. Just having heard a message, and and if I if this offended you, that's not my goal. I'm I'm not trying to subvert your Christianity by you know sliding with the message because I've had these conversations with some some of the some people. Are you with me? Anyway, do you have something? And if anybody else does, I'll ask us to you know get to the point. But um. I don't know. I just feel like the Lord has a couple of things. Anybody? I feel like you might have something. Come, come over here in the middle, if you would, please, so they can. You, Yeah.
1: <laughs> My wife says I'm contrary. Well, I was wondering for a minute. I was like, does he not hear me? Yes, Amen. You know, you Gideon had angels talking to him. Yeah. Tell him things to do. Yeah. I got one. <laughs> Her name is Tracy. Yeah, she's an angel. (laughs) Amen. Uh So it all started with the song this morning, right? Adam, you you heard it. You guys picked it. I guess the Lord picked it and sent it this way. Chris, probably. Yeah, Chris was listening. It was a song, You're a Good, Good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. This is, he says it every week. Who is God and who am I? And we still go out and wrestle with our weeks. And what did you say this morning? It was, it, it was fantastic. We, um, um, I laughed about it. How we, are, we, we don't build up our faith. Oh. But the, the whole. Doubt. Huh? With D- doubt. Yeah. We are good with doubt. Right? We, we pray in doubt. Right. That's how we do things. But what was so interesting this morning, that song, I'm reminded of the story in Exodus when Moses went up to the mountain. Right. We know the story. He's called up to the mountain. And so and he's supposed to take off his shoes. Why is that? What's on the bottom of his feet? If you come over to our house, you'll have to take off your shoes also. Okay, That doesn't mean that's it's a holy place and that God is dwelling there, even though he does because he resides in me and Tracy and the whole family. But when you come over to our house, you take off your shoes. Why do we not want you to wear your, your shoes in my house? Dirty. What's, there, what's under it? Everywhere you've been. Everything you've picked up from the world. You've been to restrooms. You've been in kitchens. You've been in the parking lot. You've, you've been in some places. We don't want brought in our house. Moses had been places he didn't want, God didn't want brought into his house, right? And so God kind of gives Moses this thing, you go and tell the people they're free. And what is Moses' response? What did he say? He said, who am I? Right? Who am I? And what was God's response? You tell them, I am that I am sent you. It is the whole crux of the Bible. Know who you are in Christ and know who God is. Otherwise, you're going to be an ineffective Christian if you don't get these two things down. The world around you will not change if, that's, if you don't have this right. I mean, if you look at the, how, God, how people understood God as you walk through the, the, the Bible, His first name that comes out, or the way he's described, is God Almighty, if you go in Genesis. And then, as you progress through toward times of David and beyond, what did they call him? Lord Almighty. Then how do we know him? You're a good, good. All of our journeys are that way, too. As a Christian, I walked, that was... I saw him as Lord and a little more. Who am I? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he couldn't be my father. Who is God and who are you in relationship to him? Yeah. Change the world. That's it. Thank you.
0: Drives it home. Do you think you got something? Yeah. Show Chelsea a little bit of love. We'll have to get a, a, a more thorough testimony from you because I know you're experiencing some good things lately. But yeah. what's on your heart here?
2: Yeah. So, vulnerability is hard. But, you know, something that I've struggled with for the past five years um, since my divorce from my son's dad is just, you know, why, <laughs> why um, can we not have this put together family? And so I've tried my best to do me do the work and and not trust. And I feel like he's shown up in my life in every, like, I love my season of life. He's shown up in just every single part of my life apart from this. And I've been trying to just sit with that faith. And what I wrote down this time, and y'all don't know, the dating apps are rough out here, okay? Like, it's just, it's bad, okay? And, um, yeah, my, my girlfriend, Beth, you know, the other night was like, I just feel like you don't even need to be on there. And I was like, yeah, and and here's what I got this morning. This morning around 4 a.m., I woke up and I went and deleted all of them. I was like, I don't know why, but that was the Holy Spirit for sure. I I don't know why I woke up and did that, but I did that and then I went right back to sleep. (laughs) And I said, this is what I wrote down. For me to download dating apps is to limit God's power in keeping his promises to me. He is bigger than my ability to find someone. I simply need a rest and he will deliver to think otherwise is carnal thinking. Belief, thoughts, emotion, choices. I just need to sit in the belief that he's going to deliver. I don't have to do anything but rest. So, yeah, just kind of my revelation of today.
0: That's just, and that's just real. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's just real world, practical stuff. You know, real world, real world, practical stuff. Can I just qualify it and say, if God leads you to use a dating app, that's fine. I know she's not saying that don't use them because there are people that here that met through them. Anyway, uh, praise God. Did you get something out of this? All right, let's stand up, just put our attention on the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you're with us. We thank you for your unending kindness and mercy toward us. Like Cody even said this morning, it is your goodness, it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And we need continual repentance. In other words, changing our mind and specifically changing our mind away from carnal thinking. And we can do that because you are kind to us as we see with Gideon who you came to him and you said, I'm going to use you. And he questioned you, but then he let himself be used by you. Father, may that be the example that even though we doubt, even though we engage this world and we lean a little too heavy on our own understanding and our own brain capacity, God, may we learn how to settle within our reality and our identity in you first and foremost, and live out of this new way of spirit. Just, just make that commitment. And if if you're making that decision this morning, you are going to put spirit first. You are going to live primarily, uh, spiritually mindful first, just, just lift up your hand. Father, I commit to you. I commit to you to put your thoughts in my mind first, to put your thoughts in my heart first, to get your mind on the matter first, and then proceed. Father, I thank you that you're, you're, you're merciful toward me, you are kind toward me, but that you are also giving me grace, which is your power to live by the power of your Spirit. And I have hope in you, and I trust. Just tell him that you trust him. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Thank you for the peace that I have because you dwell within me. Amen.